You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball. Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. All right, fellas, here we go. Mother's Day edition. I was going to call it what is it, uh, Mother's Day Massacre or I don't know, some sort of headline for this one. I but I mean, too. the Celtics, it wasn't quite a massacre, but it wasn't, there's not a whole lot of positive takeaways from this one. But nonetheless, John got the day off. I'm in here hosting Joe Smith Pavone, CLNS Media post game show. Uh, we got Jimmy Giscano, Sherrod A. Blakely, Nick Gelso. Jimmy, I'm surprised you. I'm surprised you're not too mad to join us. Like you were, I could feel the the, the fumes coming from the from the group chat, and then you went silent for most of the second half. So I was like, Jimmy, either turn this thing off, or he's just too mad <laughs> to, to chime in on what's going on, man. I mean, listen. Yo. It, it's, it's not about me. I, I feel bad for all the moms who had to sit through this game today on their day. I got my. I'm mom pretty sure most moms listen. If your son wasn't playing in this game, you, you had no reason to watch. <laughs> no yeah, reason to watch. It looked like all the Celtics fans out there. They all have to. They have to make up for the day, right? And you got plenty of time. I mean, I guess that's a good thing that. But this is a matinee, so you can make up. You got plenty of time to make up for the day for what the Celtics for what they did for, for for Mother's Day, man. The poor the poor moms out there, the diehard Celtics fans out there that had to had to watch this. They deserve better. Nick, you gonna say something. What's up? Nick, what's up? Welcome back, by the way. I'm gonna do my own Johnny Most today and just <laughs> <laughs> while we talk, baby. No, There was no one. No one could tell Nick to put that cigarette out right now. No one, because we were like, "Go ahead, man. We we, we hear you. We, we feel you." Godless, artless. It's the same thing I said in game two of the season. It's sad. The playing should be fun, though. I don't think so. You don't believe that, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> you don't believe that. Don't and, and here's why. Here's why. It's not going to be fun. If they play like this, no. it's not going to be fun if we see that Celtics team that sucks ass more than they should. That yeah. team, I don't like seeing that team. I would love to see them play their good game against the Charlotte team that's playing their best. That's an entertaining game. That would yep. be a really, really good game. But I don't trust this team. And I don't trust them because I've got 60-plus games of receipts that validate why I shouldn't trust them. 
Right. Like, this isn't fun. Like, look, look, what would we say after the Jason Tatum big 60-point game, right? Oh, oh what an epic comeback. 32-point comeback. But if the Celtics, if it wasn't for them doing it every two weeks where they get into this huge deficit, they climb out of it. Sometimes they win it. Sometimes they don't. And it's like we've seen it so many times that we're unimpressed by 32-point comeback win. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, that's how sick and tired we are of watching this happen because we know how talented this team is. We know how good they can play. We know that if they put forth the right effort, they don't have to be having, having to come back from a humongous comeback or come back from a huge deficit, rather. And that's exactly what happened on Mother's Day, matinee style. And I'll get into Jason Tatum in a second, but Jimmy, I'm going to let, let's start with just the second half as a whole. I mean, we had a lot of curveballs thrown, right? And I guess that's, that's what happens when, when the, the news dropped at halftime that Robert Williams was not going to return. So obviously you figured you're going to see a little cornet out there, but did anyone expect to see – the shooter Carson Edwards make an appearance <laughs> when when he did. I mean, no I, one. You know what? Still thinks Twitter lost their mind when that happened. <laughs> at this <laughs> point, listen, Joe At this point, when you're getting your ass kicked the way they were, you got to just take the take your bag. You're not even reaching for each in your bag. You're just dumping that shit out, and whatever comes out, throw it out there. <laughs> whatever, whatever. You, you got nothing to lose. Like, point. okay, Carson, sure, why not? Go ahead. Exactly. But they had a little something you know, going before that. No, you know what? I mean, that that. They had a little something going in the, to start the second half. I love the approach. You had Kemba Walker going to the rim. You had Evan Fournier still cooking. You had the Miami Heat in the penalty. They, they commit, what, four quick fouls in the opening three minutes of that second half. And I just felt like the Celtics could have capitalized more than they did. Listen, Jimmy Butler was in cruise mode until it got real. Jimmy's looking around. You got Trevor's, Trevor Ariza looking like he's Kawhi Leonard 2.0. <laughs> Trevor Ariza from 2009. Exactly. You, you got Trevor Reza like seven teams ago, Trevor Reza, killing you. <laughs> and you, you got Duncan Robinson getting shot after shot. You, I mean, dreads. Jimmy Butler's just, just sitting back like, let me know when y'all need me because uh, obviously you guys got to right. cook enough. And when it got to 10 points, Jimmy Butler said, all right, let's go. Let's let's close. Let's, let's seal it. Right. It's my time now. It's my time. Why didn't Jason Tatum do that? Why didn't Jason Tatum do that? Jimmy, here's you. the difference. Here, here's the difference is the Celtics, Jason Tatum did his thing on the offensive side of things, but the Celtics, once again, we can't just wait. As much as I'd like to talk about the second half and what went well, we cannot skip the first half when the Celtics gave up more points than they have in, I think it was like 26 years or something. What was like it 79? That? 79. 79. It was Max's rookie year. First half point. Damn. <laughs> I mean, you, you, That's you incredible. just can't. You can't put together that's effort. You can't put together effort like that right out of the gates. That you know, you've got you you get a game at home, you know, one o'clock start. I understand, you know, these slow starts, but when the other team comes out firing, they take control, they set the tone. Jimmy Butler didn't have to go balls to the walls because he had other guys on his team getting it done. They didn't have to do much. They really didn't have to do much to score on these Celtics. Jimmy Butler didn't have to go out there and drop twenty in the first half. Um, the difference was they were getting more stops on the defensive end. And then when Jimmy Butler did his thing late in the game. That's all he needed to do. Jason Tatum goes out there and drops 30 or whatever it was. That's fine and dandy. But if the Celtics can't get a stop on the other end, it's going to it's gonna take another – you know what it's going to take? Another 50 or 60-point performance from Jason Tatum for, in order for you to scratch out a win in overtime. This And I said this a, a week ago when it happened. I was like, great comeback, all-time performance by Jason Tatum. But if the Celtics consistently do this or they get in the habit of falling behind like this, it's not going to turn into wins because you're not going to get 50, 60 points from a player every single game. <laughs> you, you just can't expect that as good as Jason Tatum is. And what happened tonight? 
Tatum gave you 30, which is great. If he averages 30, that's, you know, he's leading the NBA in points most likely or right up there. Um, it's just, again, it comes down to defense and effort on that side. And you just don't see it. You can't go down 20, 25, 30 points a game and expect to claw your way back in the second half. Everyone says, well, at least they fought. At least they came back. It's the NBA. You can't expect the team to go up 30 and just consistently build that lead. Of course, they're going to take the foot off the gas a little bit. They're going to play some of their bench guys. They're going to take Butler out of the game and try to rest him and then put him back in when it, when the opposing team comes comes back into striking distance. So for me, the comeback, okay, it looks you know it looks like a more respectable loss if you even want to call it that because I don't think it is. But you know this is a this was a game that once again the Celtics were outplayed, outclassed, out hustled, out everything. Uh, from start to finish. You said it, Jimmy, outclassed. That's That That might be the key to this season. I'm going to hear Sherrod in one ear about effort. Jimmy, outclassed. And they were. Uh, they were outclassed again over and over. Poor Tommy Heinsohn. I mean, the, the, he must oh, have been rolling over. Oh. Sherrod, he had to be rolling over in his grave. You know, I couldn't even hear him. He couldn't even find something good to be a homer about today. And I, I listened to Jimmy, too, about comebacks, right? We remember 10, 11, 12. Those guys did this on the regular. Remember, they'd fall behind and come back, but they were legends. They had hard. They were champions. These guys, there's no leader. And they don't – it's the same thing every game. The comeback always falls short. Go ahead, Sherrod. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't seem to understand that when you dig yourself a ditch – Getting if you dig a six foot ditch and you get five feet out of it, guess what? You're still in the damn ditch. Mm-hmm. Stop digging yourselves these six feet ditches, getting five feet out, thinking like, man, you know, we we really we made a nice run there. We're almost out. No, no, stop it. Just stop it. When I think about this team, the more I watch them play, and as and the more frustrated I get watching them play, I'm reminded that Michael Shrewsbury who is now the head coach of Penn State, was their defensive czar. And when I look at this team more now than ever, if you're if you're Danny Ainge and you're Brad Stevens and you're trying to figure out what can we do to basically give us a significant upgrade without just absolutely reshuffling the deck, get an assistant coach whose strong suit is defense. Because right now, you look at this team right now, easily five, ten games that they've blown because they did not play average defensively. If you had... 10, 15 more average games defensively, they're probably in that four or five conversation easily. And with, with some yeah. room to spare, not like yeah. among like three or four other teams. They're like the fourth team in the East. They have to get better defensively because it's pathetic seeing what's, yeah. what we're seeing out here. They shot the – I mean, think about it. They gave up 130 freaking points in regulation. In regulation. 79 to half. To the Heat. You 79 to half. That coming at us from TD Garden, and I'm sure he's got plenty to say on this. Bobby, uh, first of all, what was TD Garden like? I mean, especially in the second half, the fans started. What was the vibe like, and, and what's your overall take about that second half? Of the Celtics? You know what? No, scratch that. Give us your take about the first half. 79 points. What was the crowd like watching, taking in that 79-point first half by the Miami Heat? Well, it was it was actually a let's go Celtics chant, trying to give them a little life with two, three minutes left to go in that second quarter. But then the boos. The boos started raining okay. down at yeah. halftime. Yeah. It's the same thing as the Spurs game, except they didn't once they, finish once the they comeback. Looked up and, 
and, and realized they had 79. I'm sure that's when everyone started booing. Uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I felt like I was watching the Spurs game all over again, except this time they didn't cross the finish line at the end. They only got within six or so. You know, 61% shooting in that first half of the Heat. And again, everything Sherrod said there is true. That's not even that great of an offensive team in Miami. I know they've been great no. the last four or five games, but overall, especially in their bench lineups with Dwayne Dedman and some of those guys that come in there, you shouldn't be getting punked by those guys, but it, you know, they're leaving him open back door. They're losing him in the pick and roll action. They're letting him find shooters on the short roll. Like to me, him beating them up the way they did said as much as anything else. Cause you know, Jimmy Butler is going to get his in the second half. These shooters are going to get free for some shots, but you can't let Dwayne Dedman take advantage of you the way he did. And you look at a guy like, you know, Bam Adebayo, who's a great player, but 20 points on five freaky shots from the field. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is. I mean, no disrespect to Bam Adebayo, but you're not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You're not Hakeem Olajuwon. You're Bam Adebayo. Right. But you're a good player. Not Taco on five shots. Yeah. He's not one of those. Uh, he's not going to no. get a bunch of points in the paint and and he got the footwork down. Yeah, he's not like you said. He's not a one out there. Guys, all I, mean, I know is I watch it over at the screen and all I see is I don't have my mask on me, but Brad pulling on the mask. You know, when he gets pissed off with the questions, no, that's when he's mad. He's on mute. He's all pulling with the mask. I got to do a mashup. And poor Abby Chin, she looks so depressed. Abby, she looks like she's ready to pack it in tonight. Well, join the crowd. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, welcome. Welcome. I was gonna say everyone feels that way. All right. Well, uh, another thing I want to ask Bobby is again that second half. But before you before you joined us, we were talking about the, uh, the 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 calls from from Brad. I mean Carson Edwards out there. Uh, of course, we found out about Robert Williams at halftime, and we expected to see a little cornet. That made sense. But the Carson How Edwards about that call, lineup. I mean, yeah, what did you think about that? I mean, I, I thought they had some momentum there, and then uh, he shook things up in that third quarter, and the uh, the they the lead that they cut down to what was it about twelve or thirteen? It went right back up, heading into the fourth quarter. Yeah, it went up to about twenty three during that stretch. It's all we talked about for three straight games now. The late season experimentation to go with the win at this point. I get it. It worked. He hit three. He got to the free throw line. He actually played some solid minutes there. But then they're right back to Pritchard alongside him. They're trying to go small, three-guard style stuff into the fourth. They're just mixing and mashing stuff. And I get it. Cornette had to come in because Rob went down at halftime. But Edwards hasn't played since March. Yeah, he's probably gotten a little practice time, but how do you expect this group to be connected defensively if you're bringing in a guy like Edwards who hasn't played real minutes since late March? Again, the offense wasn't the problem tonight. They scored 124 points. You need some defensive help, and that's not what Edwards is going to give you. No, and that, that, that uh, when I saw him out there, that, that just kind of blew my mind because, again, you were doing a pretty good job at that half of the court without him. It's the other half yeah. of the court that was the reason behind you getting your asses kicked. I don't understand that. I, I really – I don't get it. I mean, it, but the more I think about it, it's kind of it's kind of symbolic of this team. They think they can shoot their way out of any and every situation. We're getting our asses kicked defensively, so what are we going to do? We're just going to keep taking more shots. 
We're going to shoot yeah, our way out of this. Offense. That doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. I can't imagine Brad Stevens is telling them to keep shooting. It just can't be the case. It can't be the case. Well, what kind of well, well, the other thing what, is, what kind of message are you sending when you when you put in Carson Edwards? I mean, was he a, a, a defensive lineman? Like, trying not to have the rage tonight, you know. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm trying not to have. Oh, rip it rage. up, man. We told you. Look, you, you can smoke your cigarettes. You can chill. We're here. Well, to right, right. Fuck it, I will help so, you talk through this. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> All right, here it comes. No, I mean, I can twist my arm. <laughs> Truthfully, uh, I just don't understand. This is just a replay of the entire post-game show, 82, 70 games we've played, right? Now, 71, the Celtics have played. It's pretty much no, been this. Straight <laughs> it, through. This four more, yeah. Yeah, yeah 68 games, right? 68. I mean, we added Sherrod, thankfully, to the bunch here. He just added the same message. We've all been saying the same thing. There's nothing else to say, guys. These these guys suck. They're done. Let me um Larry glasses off for emphasis. I like it, Nick. I like it. Gutless. Yeah. The, the, the question I have is why why would and I didn't think I didn't even think Edwards was the problem. I mean, Edwards was not the issue today. I thought he was no. fine. Right. Oh, uh, no, he did fine. Yeah. But no, no, let me finish though. The, let me finish. Call, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, yeah. I think that you know at this stage in the season, you go with the guys who you're expecting to see in the playoffs. And Pritchard's that guy that we've all all said here is in the playoff rotation or the play-in rotation, whichever one you want to call it. Um, so right. I, I don't understand why they would go away from that. I also felt like. This was a game where you could have probably used more of Neesmith. I know he got about 20 minutes, which is typically okay. But what he gives you on both ends, that's more than what Edwards can give you. And I know that the positions are completely interchangeable there. But there's still a way to easily work him into that lineup. And what he's giving you right now is more than what Edwards can give you. His shot is falling. And he was his energy, awesome again. His hustle out there. I mean, on, on, a, on a day where, you know, the, the Celtics are honoring Tommy Heinsohn, I think him and him and smart Neesmith and smart kind of you know embody what heinson was all about you know what he looked well for. And, I, and i'm not saying oh it's tommy heinson though how could they not play Neesmith? i'm just saying that style of play would have helped the celtics possibly a little bit more than than somebody like edwards or Pritchard, guys, who wasn't really listen, having it today either they don't care about i mean i don't want to say they don't care about tommy but like that stuff i don't think i know they don't care about time i'm just saying no, i'm not saying to, that that's not what i said i'm saying i just don't think the magnitude it's not on the top of their minds. No, if they I can't, know. Uh, I'm not saying it is. If they can't win games based on the fact that they have to go to the play-in, I don't think Tommy's going to make a difference. Sorry, Tommy. God bless yeah. his soul. And, and that, for me, is, is what is most frustrating about this particular loss. Mm -hmm. The fact that you knew damn well that if you win this game, you, you win the head-to-head -head series with Miami, gives you a shot at locking up that number six seed, and that is important if you are going to be a team that you say can do some things in the playoffs. Now you put yourself in a situation where you literally have to win out in order to feel comfortable at that sixth spot. And even if you do, you're going to need help. You no longer control your destiny of getting into the playoffs. And I don't think any of us would have thought at the beginning of the season that we would be coming up to the final four games wondering, are the Celtics going to be in the playoffs or not? Because if that conversation would more than likely involve a key player or two being hurt. That ain't the case. You look yeah. at the way Fournier is playing now. Fournier is playing better. Kimba is playing better. Jason is doing more things offensively. But the one thing that has not caught any type of traction with this team 
It's defense. They are a putrid team at that end of the floor. And it's not one or – and the reason is, is real simple because collectively they just don't – the effort isn't there. Defense is so much about effort. It's not about X's and O's. It's about how bad do you want to keep that man from scoring on you? How bad? When Marcus Smart is out there, I feel his effort more times than not is pretty uh, damn high. Needs to be pretty damn high. The rest, no. And who are the rest? Especially in the first half. I mean, the transition defense was was terrible. And we we talked about that before this game, right? We said that's the one thing about the Miami Heat that scares you if you're a Celtics fan. And we saw exactly how explosive that offense can be. And it's not just about three-point shooting. It's just that when those guys are out in front of, you know, when they're when they're in the flow of things, that offense can really get going. And the Celtics just have not been able to stop the bleeding. It's been a pattern all season long. Bobby, what are you going to say? I was going to say, I, I know Jimmy and Sherrod just mentioned Smart there. I wasn't that impressed by him tonight. And it wasn't the situation I've seen with him the last four or five games where he didn't seem to be moving well or getting involved all that much. He was actually doing a little too much, I thought, especially in that third quarter. And he actually got put on the bench. We haven't we haven't seen that a lot this year where he got a little too reckless, throwing some balls away, taking some ill-advised shots. And Brad sat him down and put a three-guard lineup out there with the bench unit that you talked about because he lost control down the stretch there. And he was the point man on Jimmy Butler hitting eight shots in that second half to basically shut down this comeback. Time and time again, Butler took him to the rim. Butler was drawing free throws. Butler even hit a three. He only had 19 threes on the season before this, and he hit his 20th, which I thought was the biggest shot of the night. Smart's got to be better. He's got to be more in control. And I know you want to set a tone. I know you want to take advantage of the free spaces out there. But I saw a lot of bad shots. I saw turnovers. And I saw him getting taken advantage of on defense. Well, this was a bad game for him. There's no yeah. doubt about that. This was one of his worst games, really? Ashley. What? I, yeah. yeah. I, no, do you I, see I, the play? Jimmy, do you see the play where he flopped and they gave up a wide-open three to Robinson in the yeah. corner? Like, come on. You I cannot do that if you're smart. Yeah, that was, that was thing, Jimmy, the thing about smart, and, and, and we all know this, is his numbers are never going to tell you how whether he had a good or bad game. I thought that for smart, it's about impact. And I thought this was one of his least impactful games that we've seen for a lot of the mistakes he made. But I, I thought this was one of the few games where it seemed as though the frustration of guys not buying into what this team has to do defensively got caught up to him. And he tried to do too much because he doesn't feel guys around him are doing enough. Uh, and when you yeah, look at what, that's I mean, exactly when you, what yeah. yeah, and so, so again, not excusing his play because he definitely had a bad game, but I can understand the thinking behind why he was trying to do more than he normally does because nothing was working for the rest of the team and guys didn't seem like they were understanding the importance of this game. I, I I would much rather see guys trying to do too much than not trying to do enough. And we're having too many games, too many games with this team where guys aren't trying to do enough. And that's frustrating. Especially for a guy like Marcus, whose game is built on effort. Yeah, you, you can't give not, the ball away, though. You just can't. Who, who are you going to put in his place, Bobby? I mean, no one else is playing. That's the, and, right. Carson Edwards, that's, that's who you're going to replace him with? Well, well they ultimately Marcus, did. Marcus, Marcus tonight. He How'd that work? He uh, made one shot. Six, one six, shot. Six turnovers. Six turnovers. So, so turn Marcus has played this year like there's something going on off the court. Now, I don't know anything, right? But I'm just saying, it, it, you remember the year where he smashed his hand up? He had this same type. I mean, this is a complete assumption. I have no idea. But it could also just be he's tired of the only one that's going out there and having a heart that's beating. 
Yeah. You know, listen. I mean, yeah. listen, awesome. the, the turnovers. The, the turnovers are one thing, and those those are inexcusable. And there were there were plenty of those today. Not just Marcus Smart, but yeah, six is obviously way too Kemba high. Kemba was bad in guard. that sense. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and say that he had one of his worst games of the season, or that he was one of their biggest problems today. I mean, he actually shot the ball better today than he has in tons of games this season. And I do, and and Jashad noted it. He does sometimes have to do more than maybe what he would like to do or maybe what anybody would like to see him do out there because of the lack of, I don't know if the word's effort or the lack of just people able to do things around him out there in the court. Like you said, I mean, Pritchard, you got, you got, um, you know, you got guys going out there in the court that just aren't contributing the way they need to. And again, I talked about earlier, if you thought Smart was a liability out there today, then why isn't Neesmith getting more minutes? Why why is he only getting 19 minutes when, again, Neesmith's playing some of the be- playing the best basketball of his career. So yep. if, you, if, if that's a common threat or a common thought that everyone thinks Marcus Smart had an awful game today, then Neesmith should have got way more time than what he did. I, I, I think you think of that next year. This year, you still need Smart. You still need him to be involved and connected to everybody. But next year, could Neesmith fill that kind of role? I mean, you see the kind of stuff he's doing. You see the shooting he brings to the table. Even a little bit more ball handling at this point. He's never going to be smart as a passer and ball handler, but he's showing signs in that sense. I see what Fournier did tonight. And... As we get closer to that offseason, and I've been saying this back to the trade deadline, Marcus Smart's going to be the guy this offseason who there's a huge decision on. Well, the contracts. Wait, hold on, hold on. Trod, you, you made a face in the middle of that, so I want to see what that was about. Uh, well, was, that, was that premature? I mean, Neesmith well, taking I, on I, that I smart role? I hear what, what Bobby's saying. And, and and really, when you look at the way they play, you look at their, their, their books, there's a lot that it does make sense. But here's my problem with that. What is the biggest issue that this is affecting this team right now? Your defense is putrid. So then you go get rid of the one guy, the one yeah, guy. Right. right. Hey, Neesmith and Fournier defend. It's not that level. Oh, but again, what have we said all year? Smart hasn't put himself on that end. I look. Yeah, but no disrespect to Fournier or or Neesmith, but they ain't Marcus Smart defensively. Not even They're close. They're not, but, but, um. this, but this goes to show that defense – if it's not a team, if the team's not buying in, it almost doesn't matter how good you have as one one defender is on your team because the other so team's just going to get through the cracks. I mean, look at Marcus Smart's your defensive leader, and maybe your maybe your leader. And we're talking about a Celtics team that might not make the playoffs this year. So really, I understand his value to the team, and I understand that it's probably not really his fault because of the, it's a lot a lot of the no, players around him possibly. But at some point, you have to say, okay, well. What this guy's this guy's value to the team, we understand what his value to the team is, but if other guys aren't buying in around him, that value kind of is diminished a little bit, right? He might be worth way more to another team who has players around that, that can make his value actually stand out. He might be going balls to the walls every game, but if the four guys out there on the court around him aren't, then having one guy who plays defense out there isn't gonna, isn't gonna do shit for you. And as we've seen today. You know, and if you take Marcus right, well, Smart about off this team, you take Marcus Smart off the team, you might as well put an Orlando Magic uniform on this team. You're going to have no emotion. Let's get back to um to, to, to Jason Tatum, right? We had that conversation before this game about uh, how, how Jimmy Butler represents – what was it exactly? I forget the word exactly, but something to the extent of the, the Miami Heat's, let's say, best version of themselves, right? Let's just say that. Uh, if, if Jason Tatum if, – if he's not – that guy on both ends is that a, is that an issue here like in, in in the sense of being more maybe more vocal on defense maybe more demonstrative like is this this first half woes of the celtics that that's so part of their identity and who they are this year like how much how much of that do you do you say i'm not necessarily saying that you put on tatum as a, as a blame 
but does Tatum sort of have to grab the grab the team, you know, and and say, hey, listen, guys, we got to really buckle down here and play and play harder defense. I mean, he's I mean, he's part part of, that's of what Jimmy what's going is for on. Miami. That's what Jimmy Butler is for Miami. I, I think Jimmy it's Butler, hard. Jimmy Butler gives the game what it needs. I mean, I thought for most of this game, like I said, I think Jimmy Butler was in cruise control because everyone around him was doing their job. That's everyone around him. Too. Right. And, and yeah. so, but when the game got tight, Jimmy was like, get on my, as, as Max would say, get on my shoulders, on my back, fellas. I'm, ride me. I got this. Promise land. Exactly. And yeah. that's exactly what Jimmy Butler did. I mean, he did not seem to be fully engaged in being that dude until the fourth quarter, and it got to be a 10 point game. Tatum, I love him. Tatum has that, and, and you know, and, and again, it's revisionist history, but damn, Jawan Johnson, Jimmy Butler, another story, another day. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> But uh, I mean, you had no you gonna play that card today? I did. I did. Happy Mother's Day. Exactly. My told me to play that card. But uh, no, but 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 Tatum, I I think Tatum does have to be, I think, a little bit more of a leader at the defensive end of the floor because he does have the physical tools to be a very good defender, and we've seen that uh from him. Remember when he was a rookie, the reason why he was playing significant minutes was because of what he did at that end of the floor. Everyone knew he could score, but no one really knew how impactful he could be as a defender, using that length, using his lateral quickness, using all the tools that we see at a very elite level offensively, but to keep his man from scoring defensively. We don't see that nearly as much, and I'm okay with that because, again, when you are one of the top-tier players in the league the way I think he's trending to be, something's got to give. You can't just be – there are very few guys who are exceptional upper echelon scorers and exceptional upper echelon defenders. But Tatum has to be better than what we've seen this year, and I think he will be better. But they need to do something to shake this thing up for next year, whether it's uh, adding a no, defensive-minded coach. Oh, Go ahead. No, I was that's, that's funny you mentioned that that first game because from the very beginning, Jason Tatum, I mean, not a lot of people remember, but the Southerns did make a big comeback in that game in Cleveland after, you know, Gordon Hayward went down. And Tatum had a lot to do with that, but especially on both ends. He was he was coming up with huge defensive stops. Well, what's uh, the difference Jimmy, this you, way? Oh, this, Bobby, year, this year, the offensive load on him is tremendous. And mm -hmm. you can see if you're a guy like Butler who's deferring the teammates and building them up a lot, I think it becomes a little bit easier. So Tatum has a ways to go on offense too to – offload some of that burden onto his teammates. You know, of course, the Heat have better teammates, but a lot of these guys are young. Butler's helped build these guys up. When you're trying to do everything on offense, it becomes harder to become that guy who impacts the defensive end of the floor. So I give Tatum a slight pass in that sense this year, but on both ends, it's stuff that he has to work on and grow in to be the leader of this team. We know he's the leader of this team in the scoring department, but in the defensive area, in the passing area, in all these different places, it's got to come along much faster if this team's going to want to get somewhere one day. And that's the challenge for Tatum. And I'll, I'll pass you real quick, Jimmy. He's got to grow into that role. And you know, to me, the way he's played thus far, it's been a blessing and a burden because he's shown such tremendous promise at such an early age. And with that promise comes responsibility. But can he grow as quickly in terms of his responsibility and leadership as he has as a player? That's the challenge that I think he's really trying to work through now. And we're watching it kind of unfold before our very eyes. Yeah, I think both you both you guys kind of nailed it. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll just kind of sum it up. It's like this is what happens in the NBA, right? A player comes into the league, a rookie or second year guy, they cut their teeth on the defensive side. That's how they get in the game. That's how Neesmith is 
found his playing time, right? Because of Good the point. effort he's shown. And I know that they aren't similar players, but it's it's what you do on the defensive end that earns you that court time. Now, Tatum's a little bit different because highly touted player coming into the league and everybody knew what he could do on the offensive end. So everybody was looking for that. But what happens to these young superstars is as their roles get bigger, they focus way more on the offensive end. And Bobby's right. Tatum's been asked to do way, way more this year because of the injuries or the lack of other options on the offensive side. So a lot of his energy and a lot of his focus has been on the offensive side of things, but it really has taken a hit on the defensive end. And that's why we're seeing these teams coming in and dropping 60, 70 points at halftime. And Tatum can still finish with 30, 40 points and they still lose the game. Again, you need a historic performance. Got to be like everybody. Got a week ago from him in order for them to claw out a win. It's just not going to happen. So what? whether it's Tatum, whether it's Brad, or whether it's Ainge, they need to get together and figure out what it's going to take so that Tatum can still play offense, but they're also going to need to find players who want to play defense, who buy into the defensive side of things. And the problem with this Celtics team, I don't think they have enough assholes because when you're an asshole, you play defense. And that's why Jimmy Butler <laughs> is so good at playing both sides of the ball. And that's why Pat Beverly is good at both sides of the ball and Draymond Green. And I mean that as a I mean that as a term of a deer. If you're an asshole in the NBA, that means you try hard. You're not out there trying to make buddy buddies and be friends. You get under players' skin. You get under them. You play 48 minutes of basketball, and you you walk off the court with less friends than you maybe walked on the court on the other side. And there's not enough players on the Celtics team that go in there with that mentality. There's one, Marcus Smart. And again, I'm not can't do it all. Josue knows it. Sherrod knows it. We did the locker room. The question was asked. When was the last time you saw Tatum or Brown defend one of their teammates and get a technical, you know, or, or get into a bit of a scuffle? I still am yet to think of one time. The closest I've seen them get feisty is Tatum getting in LeBron's face his rookie season. A little bump, but, yeah. You know who I actually saw I do it tonight was Neesmith. Neesmith snuck in front of him. He's not the leader. That's like uh, Sherrod says, you know, Neesmith, Marcus, and he's right. But the problem is the leaders don't do it, right? The leaders of the team don't do it. So you don't have to be a, a leader, though, to do well, it. Brown you wasn't mean, out like, there. I, you don't have to inspire. That's what I always look. I always say sure, I mean, the, the turning like point or the, tar, the, the the part of LeBron's career that made him a champion was when he really started to take a serious stance or at least grab everyone, galvanize his team on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I just always thought like heading into this season or even maybe next year, you know. Heading into this uh, era of Tatum's career, right, where it's no longer a secret or it's no longer a if, it's when, it's it's he is that guy. He's going to lead this team. And I just think that's a part of his game that's next, you know, just being a, a more of a, a force on the defensive end of the floor. He has the body for it. He has the athleticism. And he, I think he has the IQ. I, I really do. I, I People, you know, obviously because of the influence that Kobe Bryant had on him, there, there's Kobe, huge asshole. I also see one of the biggest. No, I also see guys. Again, I also see thing. that LeBron yeah. in him. You know, he has the LeBron type of of style of play love, that translates on both ends of the floor. I think he, he's capable of that. I'd love to see him go work out with uh, the Dream with Hakeem. Get and you know, some, what, get, you know what? To Jimmy's, to Jimmy's point. To Jimmy's point. When, when LeBron turned into a villain, turned into asshole LeBron, yeah, he he, he stumbled a, uh, once at the, in the finals, but then he eventually got that ring. Yeah, you know? J- like that was the Josue, it's not going to be Tatum. It's 
he's a finesse player. He's a guy who's going to do it with his skills, with his moves. Even if, like Nick said, he adds to his post repertoire, and I think he has a decent one now. This, that just isn't the style that the Celtics play. It's got to be Brown, and I think Brown is the one who has it in him. You hear him say all the time, I'm one of the best shooters in the draft. People just didn't, you know, realize it with me. He's always asserting himself. You see those intense moments with him. Yeah. I think, and even defensively, I think that's who he can be. But he's got to be empowered. That's Bobby the thing. I mean, Bobby, yeah, Bobby's but right. That, Bobby, but the point that Bobby made, that, that last point about being yeah. empowered, that's the key. Because uh, th- here's the thing about Jalen. When you watch Jalen play, there are periods in the game when he's playing well where you can see he's angry, where you can you can literally see the pissed offness come out. Yeah. Tatum can drop 45, 50 points, and you wouldn't know if he had four or five points. Uh, just by his his demeanor, and there's a lot of positives that can come about when you have you have that even kill demeanor. But at some point, you need somebody who brings the heat. You need someone who brings that fiery anger to the floor, because you need that emotion. This is an emotional game, and at some point, you need a balance of guys on your roster who have that even kill demeanor that Tatum brings, which is value in that. But you need someone who can bring the heat. And Marcus Smart does that to some extent, but Jalen Brown can do it to another level. Uh, we have seen yeah. him when he locks guys up defensively and gets out in transition, which I love. I love when he starts to break. Sure, we, he's, look, what's that? We have seen the Celtics without Tatum win without him have Brown lead everything comfortably and then be a competent, great team without him. We've seen Tatum be on the floor without Brown and have a great game like he did today, solid night, but they're missing something when Brown's not out there. And they're missing something when Brown is out there and he's not involved or he's, you know, as Joe Sway talks about in the past, down on himself, not getting the ball enough. I just, I don't know the answer to it. I wish I did, but I, you know, beyond like him being out with injuries, when he is out there, how can you keep him involved, keep him on that same level as Tatum? Because Tatum's probably going to be the better player in the end. Brown's making big strides so you know, make that gap smaller. But I, I just feel like it, there shouldn't be as big of a gap between the one and two on this team as there seems to be. They need a playmaker. I mean, I think they need someone who that, – that's like their job. Their job is to – and Marcus does a good job, but that's not what he's – that's not a natural position for him to be in. Marcus is a, a good facilitator, and to be candid, I wish he was the second or third best facilitator because if he's the second or third best, that means you're really, really good. They need someone whose strong suit is getting guys the ball in position where they can be effective and can be solid defensively. And don't say Rondo. It's it, – I was going to say his name, but they You're need someone like that. Here's the thing. Like, you know, when I when I think back to – Rondo right now. What do you mean, Nick? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. You, you look at some of the top teams, you know, they, they have guys who can facilitate who aren't necessarily their best scorers. Like LeBron is a phenomenal facilitator. But Anthony Davis, that's the guy that they lean on to get buckets. Yeah. You look at, you know, th- those, those Detroit teams that I cover. Ripper, Richard Hamilton was the best scorer, but Chauncey was Chauncey. the one that ran the show. Here in Boston, Tatum can be your best scorer, and he should be because he's that good. But that doesn't mean he needs to be the facilitator. That doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be the one guiding the ship. He can be on the – he has to be on the front line. No question about it. But he doesn't have to necessarily be the one guiding it. Again, his demeanor doesn't really facilitate that fiery get in your face, do as I say, not as as, as you want to do. That's not who he is. But they need someone who has that in them. 
And I, I just know, and Jalen, to me, when you start going down a roster of guys who can play, guys who make a difference when they're out there, and guys who've got a little bit of that asshole that Jimmy was talking about in them, Jalen is that dude. I definitely you know, the criteria. We, we talk about Rondo, right? Because you do describe him perfectly. That is Rondo. But I, I'm afraid that Brad Stevens can't control Rondo's ego. But that, that ship is sailed. That ship is sailed. We're not talk about Rondo. That's why you're yeah, I mean, three quarters of the league because your coach can't manage personalities, it seems. Those glasses. I like it. It's interesting because they did. Real quick, real quick. I just want to remind everyone. Uh, Heading to the locker room uh, shortly. I know Nick is going to head out first, and yeah, then, sure. uh, the, the rest will follow, I believe. Right? So um, we'll do that in about ten minutes, guys. So if you if you haven't downloaded the locker room app, guys, I would we strongly encourage you guys to do it because this one should be another good one. Uh, last not last night, but two nights ago, that was a uh, there was a lot of venting going on, man. You guys Woo! had me cracking up. That was man, a good intervention session. I felt that, I felt much better after session. after that. That was a great session. You guys make it make it that great. Like that. That's the reason why it's such a fun uh, 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 after show to, to hop on with us and we it, talk about literally. It's not just Celtics, right? We just talk about everything. We were a little all over the place the other night, but it's, mostly, it's like going. To, geared, it's like going to therapy. Your Celtics fans. Yeah, Jimmy, like I thought you were about to say it's like going to homeschool, Jimmy. That's what I thought you were about to say. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's that one's like that. Up. It's nothing like that. You won't catch me in homeschool, man. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Can't Princess Leia, man? I mean, wasn't he Princess Leia on the poster, Jimmy? Yeah, whoever, whoever designed that, I have to have <laughs> Nick a, had to bring that up, didn't you, Nick? I did a video this morning. Uh, I pulled that part out. All it was was Sherrod giggling the whole time and Jimmy going, I got to find out who did this. I got to find yeah. out who did this. I got <laughs> to find out Jimmy. I wasn't going to say anything about that, Jimmy. because you. It guy. wasn't me, Jimmy. It wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're gonna. That was All that's right. gonna be the last promo they cut. We'll put it that way. So, uh, <laughs> what, what are the what are the chances we see Jalen Brown Tuesday? Like like seriously, I, I think you have to if you're the Celtics. Right? Yeah, Just, even if it's a risk, you you have to play him, right? Are we definitely gonna see him Tuesday? I mean, only to me, you don't play him if this injury is serious enough to where you think that he could re-aggravate it and be out for some, if not all the the playoffs playing game, whichever, right, however right. you want to describe it. But if he's like at 75, 80%, I think you got to play him. They gave Rob that Bam. shot today, and I thought he gave them some decent minutes early, but it ultimately wasn't worth the kind of pain he was going through, which is concerning with him too. He didn't play yeah. in that second half. Uh, so I don't think they're going to do it with Brown. I don't think they should push him. I think we're starting to come to an acceptance here that this team's going to be in the playing tournament, so they just got to be ready for that, get home court for that, and go and take care of business of the Hornets there and play whoever you play in that first round. Ultimately, it stinks to be there, but – that's, that's just what they're going to have to go through at this point. Again, health over seeding. This is a critical seeding difference here. You don't want to be in a one-game playoff, but you do also get the leeway if you lose that game to play another game for the eighth seed. So I want Brown ready for that. I want Brown 100% for that. And you know, or at least I think that if the team gets to that position, they'll turn it up for one of those games. But who knows? <laughs> we don't know with right, this team. Bro. I agree. I mean, you, you want you don't want to be limping into that play-in game. So if, if you just accept the fact that you're going to be a 7 or 8 seed, like you said, that gives them two chances to win a game. And if they can't, then guess what? They didn't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. Yep. So we learned a little bit sooner than we would have that this team just wasn't going anywhere in the playoffs anyway. So really, the Celtics should beat whoever that matchup is, the 8 or the 9 team. 
Um, and if they don't, then we learned they are who we thought they were, essentially, right? The old famous mm-hmm. quote, they are who we thought they were. It's exactly who this team would be if they can't beat one of those two teams. They don't deserve they don't deserve a series against the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks. And honestly, who the hell would want to watch it if they can't beat the Wizards or the Pacers? Good God. What are the chances they go full small ball? I think I think that might happen. I mean, without Rob, If they play the Nets. Yeah, you got to do it against the Nets. Rob should be shut down the until the play-in game. Yeah, I, Rob I don't should think be shut down until next year. Court this week. Right. What are you going to oh, do in the playoffs? Really? Not until next year. I mean, we'll is there out. actually a chance to do anything in the playoffs? No, you not know? really, but you do, you do want to go as far as you can. You don't want to just bow out. and They've already bowed out, in my opinion. I think they bowed out quite a while ago. You can make things interesting. I don't think you can and, say and that without Brown. Two. Yeah. Down you can make, they can, yeah. They can make things interesting and win a game or two, but they're not going to put any fear in anyone's heart. Because here's, here's what teams that are looking at the Celtics on their schedule are thinking. All we got to do is play moderately hard for 35, 38 minutes, and we're going to win. We don't have to shoot, and we're going to get great shots. That is we're right. Going to get, we're, going to, we're going to be in position to win. We're probably going to be up by double digits because it seems everyone goes up by double digits against them. All we got to do is just stay the course, and we'll be fine. Well, you know who I'm excited for come playoff time, and I've been hyping him up for games now? I was oh. going to say Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier has been one of the best players in the NBA, period, over the last four, five, six games. Ever since he was talking about his COVID conditions there, you have to empower this guy to be a leader on this offense. We talk about facilitators, eight assists here, 30 points in this game. Only reason that the Celtics were even in this game was Evan Fournier. And you guys just keep dismissing him. You don't even want to talk about him. You're underrating the trade. He's a perfect fit with this team. You have to pay this guy whatever he wants this offseason. Bobby, here, here's my thing with Fournier. Whatever I, he I, wants. Your, your points are good. But, but yes. Bobby, the thing about Fournier since he's been a Celtic, he's either been the guy that you're talking about, really, really good, or a complete dumpster no, fire. Complete there's, zero. There's, like, there's no – but there's, there's been no more good than bad. Game. He's no. at the he's at he's at the one opposite end of the spectrum every game. Really great or really trash. And that <laughs> I, I don't like that about him. I I like like before we saw tonight, the, the one that we've seen the last four or five game bobbies, I like that guy. But he needs to keep it going to for me to feel confident and comfortable that he's a potential solution down the road. Because even before, right. even before the COVID stuff was was you know he was diagnosed with that he was still he's had some pretty trashy games yeah and it wasn't yeah, just be- and it wasn't just because he didn't know the players he was missing shots that a guy like him should not be missing had nothing to do with play calls had nothing to do with comfort level just missing shots I want to see him keep this up I would I would like to see him in the playoffs I would like to see him do well in the playoffs but again I'm not sold on him just yet. I'm not. And let me say I one like thing. I like what I'm saying, you- but I'm not ready to buy. I, I want the lease to option, lease to purchase. I will lease him now with the option to buy later. That's so what that's I feel exactly like. What this, that's exactly what this season was supposed to be, the leasing option. And it's just gone completely haywire ever since they acquired him. But I will say, also say this. You want to pay – You would you rather pay um, Fournier whatever he wants, in Bobby's words, or – you say, you know what, this this um, Neesmith kid uh, is really coming in his own here, and we have him under control for the next three years at a fraction of that, whatever that price is, $20 million or $20 million a year, whatever. See, 
Fournier is going to cost. And, you know, I think now you're kind of weighing the options here. Now, I understand you don't want to just lose Fournier for nothing like they just did with Hayward and they're going to be in the tax. So, like, it limits who they can go and sign. So there's a lot of other factors at play here. But to just simply say, oh, Fournier, here's a blank check, buddy. Whatever you want. We'll sign you for a yeah. four-year deal. I just well, that's the leverage he has that. as a free agent. Now, yeah, that's the leverage that's in there. Luckily, I don't think there'll be huge demand for him around the league, and that's what the Celtics can wait out on. Um, but if they bring him back at the same price, I'm happy with that, or even you know one or two million more. It ultimately doesn't matter just how deep you're diving into the tax. I like your point on Neesmith. That's where I come back to smart. If it comes down to those three guys and you're thinking about getting Neesmith some more opportunity, you're thinking about Smart's future here in Boston, what you're going to pay him beyond next season, I think you get ahead of that one because that is another guy you can end up losing for nothing in the ensuing offseason. I don't know what his value is going to be at this point. Uh, I, I thought that should have been done at the deadline. I thought that was the prime place to do it if you were going to get aggressive with a guy like that. But, again, they're going to be in a tricky position here. They if can they bring everybody back. If they trade tomorrow the deadline, you would have lost your shit. Well, it would have yeah. depended for who. I don't think Gordon was the guy. You would have lost your asshole. Would have flipped out. Because you, because you wanted them to, you wanted them to do pretty much what they did, which was bring in some talent and make a run for this. And if yeah, they trade smart, it. that that that's got like trading perk vibes to me. Like you just kind of oh. blow it up. And the difference is this yeah. team really wasn't trending in the Let's right direction, it. anyways, at the deadline. But neither was that Celtics team when they traded. Well, I don't know. It was a little different. They were but they were in we a great know, position when they traded him. Yeah, we all know what happened once they traded Perk. They, you know, they close, fell yeah. apart. Um, and I, I could have seen that. I could see that same thing happening if they traded Smart. Not that it's certainly not that it's been that great since the deadline. It certainly hasn't what? been. But at the time, we all would have been like, what, what? What are they do? What are they? You know, what direction yeah. are they trying to go here? Well, well you know so what I, don't I like know what about Smart's value is either. What I like about Fournier is he's solid. He's usually in control. There are those games, and Sherrod mentioned it, and even his playoff pass, which I think is tough to draw conclusions from because it was with the Magic, he did have a lot of stinkers in the postseason there. So the playoff, his performance there would be critical to that decision. I just think he almost fills a Hayward role with this team, uh, and it's so critical to them. Eight uh, assists. Not even handling the ball as a primary ball handler guy is extremely impressive to me. And the Celtics had a pretty good assist night tonight. Their this offense was doing everything it needed to do, largely because of him. Yeah, I mean, Fournier yeah. had a good game, and he's had a nice run of late. You look at his last four games, yeah. he's averaging high teens, low 20s, scoring the ball, spraying the ball around, making sure guys are getting the ball. And that's great. But to your point, Bobby, and you know this, and we all know this, the playoffs completely different animal. And when he's had the opportunity in the past, he hasn't performed well. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities. I get that. And unfortunately, it looks like he's not going to get a lot of opportunities this year either, uh, the way the Celtics are training. That's true. But, but the, and, you know, Fournier, a, a good player, but I'm not sold on him because, again, I'm looking at his whole body of work since he's been a Celtic. I'm looking at pre-COVID, post-COVID, and where he's at now. And he's trending in the right direction. Absolutely no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But we all know that. Even though he's playing better, how much is he impacting winning? How is is right. he is he making the plays? And again, I'm not putting the losses on him because it's not his fault solely. But there are moments in almost every game where he'll make so he'll make a, a mistake, whether it's a blown defensive assignment, whether it's a turnover, whether it's a missed shot that he should be making, that plants a little seed of doubt into whether this is a guy that's going to get you over the hump. Uh, the bottom line is this: Fournier is a very good player. But am I ready to anoint him as the, the 
Gordon Hayward of this team, the guy that can get him over the hump? No, no. That's what I come back to. So you're going to sign Fournier and bring back a team and pay a massive tax for a roster that we know isn't good enough to even get you to the Eastern Conference but Finals. Do you, you want to be a worse team and pay the tax? I, you just got to bring in the best team you can. Well, that's the key word, Bobby, team. team. That team. doesn't necessarily mean you got the best players. You got to have mm -hmm. the best team. That needs to be more of a focus than necessarily having players with certain skill set and talent. Like, as we've talked about ad nauseum, they need tough guys. They need guys who, as Jimmy pointed out, they need some assholes in this world. Oh, roster. you know what? And this, again, I, I said this when it happened, but Trevor Reza on the Heat, I mean, look at what he did tonight. It costs them nothing. That's a champion. That's a veteran. He goes out and finds his spot. Yep. And defends Tatum well, plays his role on both ends of the floor, and I thought was so critical to this win. You guys were confused why I was so mad when the Heat did that and got him for nothing because it's just Trevor Ariza. That's the kind of guy the Celtics need. A bench this was guy Trevor like Reza that. From seven teams ago. Yeah. Trevor Ariza yeah. from yeah. seven teams ago. They, they saw tonight. Yeah. Today. Cool. Yeah. You know somebody, somebody, whether it was Spolstra or I don't know, maybe they had it in their hearts and themselves got up for this game. Miami understood that they need to Boston should be coming out and playing for their lives. And instead they came out and played horse or 21. I don't know what they were playing. JV. But you know, you know what know, guys though? Right now. <laughs> Next. This is what happens when you have veterans. Veterans understand what sense of urgency is about. They, I mean, you look at Miami's veteran players, they played like this game really mattered. You look at Trevor Ariza. You look at Those Jimmy Butler. Right? We talked yeah. about that a couple of nights ago. The, the team has enforcers. Like that's, you know, guys like Iguodala last year, you know, th those guys that are going to enforce everyone to stay on the stay on the. I love page. that team. Mm -hmm. Me too. Well, I oh, think, it's almost, I think it's almost time for the locker room, man, because I can't – I. The rage is 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 bubbling I up. I can see it. One last thing, guys. Uh Brad Stevens. It's I a mean, room. how how are, you, how are you two feeling about Brad? Nick and Sherrod, and then we'll uh we'll carry on the conversation after you guys Who head first? out. How do you feel about Brad? Did anything change after this game and, and his approach? What what do you uh, what's your take on this? This is, is, a, this is look. There's nothing that I saw today better or worse from Brad. This is who he is. This is his team. Uh, this, is, this is what you're getting. Fair enough. Hey, hey here you go. Nick. It won't be that short. Yo, Nick, what was the Matrix like? What was it like? Wait a minute Hold on a minute now. But let oh, me tell you about Brad. Okay. Go ahead. Why, is there like a screen on my camera? No, no, nothing. Nothing, bro. You're perfect. Go ahead. So listen, Brad Stevens, here's my thing. It's just that uh, – if you can't motivate, if you can't motivate and manage, it's the same thing I've been saying. Can't motivate and manage talented, big egos. You're not made for a head coach in the NBA. I can't figure. The most frustrating thing about this team is you guys keep seeing bad roster. It's the same roster as last year, and it got better at the trade deadline. So, I mean, I don't. I. I. I something is clearly same roster as last year. They lost Who's, Hayward. Who's not here? Ennis Cantor. Well, don't say well, Hayward. Please Fournier was. Fournier was an appropriate fill-in for Hayward. Why? Well, he just said Hayward. I thought I said don't say Hayward, please. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> well, it goes against your point. It's the same team. And stop playing Fournier. Hayward didn't play in the playoffs. Yeah, playoff. he didn't play in the playoffs. Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Uh, going back. To 
Bobby's point on Fournier, how Fournier is a fill-in. He's not a he's not a fill-in. He's not. It's not interchangeable. Like oh, he replaces Hayward completely. He's a lesser player. We can all agree on that. Well, but if he plays, he's a better player because Hayward didn't play, Jimmy. Okay, yeah. Obviously. Fair point. But they need Brown. They need this whole cast intact. And they again, Howard. Let me do the Brown thing real quick, and then I'll go, and you can talk, Bobby. So basically, we're screwed. Because you can't change, <laughs> you can't change people's mentality. I keep saying culture and getting made fun of, but you know what? I should get made fun of because they don't. In conclusion, we're screwed. Yeah, we're screwed. Like Brad has job security. Danny and Wick are behind them. I don't think there's a great candidate to replace them. Uh, Tatum is too cool for school. Something's got to go there. Brown like needs that to attitude. be empowered. I agree with uh, Bobby on Brown being empowered. And God, please don't give up Marcus Smart because I'm not even going to watch that. I might as well watch like a merry-go-round because this is ridiculous. This is not basketball. <laughs> on that note, I'm heading to the locker room. Who's All right, Nick, you, Joseph, how are we Nick doing Joseph. this, Josway? One and only. Yeah, you can just pop out. All right, I pop out. Bye. Go start All right. it up. I'm leaving right. with him. Oh, I'm done. You're leaving with Nick. Oh, T's and P's. Come on, give us your Brad. Give us your Brad take. I, I told you this is what this is what you're gonna oh, get. Please with him. I think that's what you meant this, by that. This is what you're gonna you get. Mean. This is yeah. what you're gonna get. This what you saw today is exactly what we've seen all season long. No one should be surprised. No one should be shocked or 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 overly dismayed at what you're seeing. This is how this team is responding to his coaching in the absolute biggest game of the season. You don't even have to, you don't even have to like point your fingers and say this that or the other. The proof was 48 minutes of Celtics basketball this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Giving up 130 so. points to a team that at best you can call average offensively, at best, a team that allowed you to shoot damn near 50% from the field, your damn self. This is how you respond at home Gerard, have you seen, in a game have you need seen, to win. But, have you seen you a know, team drop 79 points in, in the first half? I'm trying never. to remember if the Warriors did it. I can't, I, I I can't recall seeing a team get lit up like that. Not in I don't half. think I've ever seen it. Right? Not in a half. I, I think no. I think I remember uh, Golden State had like 75 ones, something like that. But 79? I, I've never seen it before. It's great. At that point, 75, 79, bottom line, you got your ass kicked. Bad. Either way. <laughs> Same thing. Either way. <laughs> Same shit. All right, Sherrod, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we locker have. Locker already popping, guys. So head over, head over to the locker no, room I, and download the app if you haven't already. I was just going to say, I don't think the room's open yet. So I think Nick's working on opening it up now. So we, we might have to. Oh, damn. I'm working on it, I promise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we didn't tell him to come back in yeah. here. Nick, Nick send a text next time, in. man. We appreciate yeah, bro, you yeah, coming yeah. back, but like, send a text. Yeah, send a text he's got a little too much, little too much power. Can we like freeze his ability to come back in like that? Because that was scary. Uh, he came in hot. He came no, in really he's hot. got all the powers. Can't stop him. I don't know what happened, but I, I think I think after you go less than five people, my camera just gets so much better. Like, check it out. Oh, looks good. Yeah. Wi-Fi is best. <laughs> Rockin' Wi-Fi is not taking Monday's, Monday's Damn. day. Damn, it's, it's booming okay. right now. Get that Bobby. Sunday evening glow up going on. Okay. Where's where's Bobby stand on the uh, the Brad Stevens meter? Where, where are you? Did anything change before? You know, after this game, that the, the no, I'm, I'm I'm where I've always been. I think this is just a continuation of everything I've said. The experimentation, uh, the team not necessarily being in sync with how he wants them to play, and 
of course, them and them not having the defensive fortitude to stay competitive in these games. It's just crazy. You think of how they played in the second half. They were there with Miami play for play. They were making big plays, Grant diving on the floor, Neesmith scooping up a ball to begin the fourth quarter. They did everything they needed to at that point. But when you're down by 26 to begin that, it's like, what can you do? You, you, Miami just has so much room for error at that point. So the fact that this team all season long has gone down by those massive deficits is another point against Brad, his starting lineups, his rotations as a whole. Something just isn't working there, and the players have a big involvement in that. But at the same time, you're missing Jalen Brown in a game like this. That's a significant piece. If you pretty much have no Rob like they did here, that's a ginormous loss. And the Heat were essentially fully healthy outside of Oladipo. So they keep running in the teams that are fully loaded while missing two starters in their own. So that's the leeway that Brad gets. They were never healthy at any point this year, and that's the only reason I'm not taking that next step to say fire him. That's Jimmy. his saving grace. If, if, if Ainge and Brad have a saving grace, it's, it's based on health. Um, but that being said, they haven't been decimated to the point where, like, they haven't had season-ending injuries. Like, there are some teams out there that have lost guys for the season, right? And they've had some really, really horrific things happen. And I, more of the Celtics have had things happen throughout the course where they should be able to compete better than they have even when they are down a guy or two in, in any given game. And I'm not, listen, if you're, if you're down Brown and Tatum or, you know, Tatum and Kemba or Tatum and, um, or Brown and, or that combination of players, then I can understand that being difficult. But for me, it's, it's the effort or the lack of effort or the lack of, you know, consistency, defense, intensity. It just feels like the togetherness hasn't been there all season. And like Sherrod said, this is the team they are now, um, healthy or not. Even fully healthy, I'm just still not convinced that this is a team that could just get it together and play team basketball and, you know, follow what Brad's, you know, style of, you know, or strategy is for that game. I just haven't seen it at all. And when there's a little bit of adversity, this team shrinks. They don't rise to the occasion. They don't overcome it. They, they, they you know, do what exactly they – what you would expect, which is just sort of like sort of sleepwalk through the first half or even worse sometimes. And, you know, it might make, might make a little bit of a comeback in the end, but it's always 99% of the time they come up short. And this has been the entire season. So it's been very frustrating um, to watch from start to finish. And this is who they are. Um, I don't see that changing. And, you know, next year, if they bring in some different players and, you know, a fresh start and if they do have some health, yeah, I would, I would be willing to give Brad another chance at it, but I don't think that his job – I always thought his job was safe from start to finish this season. I don't necessarily think that's the case next next season. If things go south during the season, uh, I could totally see a, a mid-season change happening. Yeah, and you got to yeah. put someone in place at that point who can take over, and we'll see who that is. Well, because with everything that they, they had to deal with, uh, yeah, I don't think he's on the hot seat. But, uh, I mean, barring – we talked about it a couple nights ago. Barring uh, – uh, was it mutiny? That's how John put it. A team mutiny. <laughs> that's the only way – that's the only and way that's part, would you rule that out at this point if that ends up happening right after the season? Like that would just be so expected at this point, given how everything's gone to this point. I wouldn't rule it out, especially if they don't make it into the playoffs. You know, if they fall into the playing tournament, or or, or even if they're bounced out of the first round. Uh, again, you know, we, we talked about it a couple nights ago. Two, three weeks removed from a from a, a season a season ending like that. 
you could could be a, a moment of clarity for someone like Tatum or Jalen Brown. You know, you know what's you know difficult what? though? Regardless of what this team looks like next year, the one thing that we all agree on is that we don't want Brad to be this to be, be our coach. You know what's difficult happen. about that potential situation yeah. though is what do you think Ainge would do if they did that? Uh, just get pissed off and then. I don't know what he would do. Coach. He would just no. He would just say no. He'd keep him. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, it, keep it, it that would demand. Think so, think so yeah. Bobby. I mean, Jimmy, I think he think? would just. I think he would just keep them and say, you guys have to deal with it. Nah, I think Danny's been in the That's NBA long enough in the front office to know that that just doesn't work in the NBA. The players yeah. run shit. You know, like it's always going to be the case. I don't think that's how the Celtics want their thing to run, though. Like, they've never done anything like that to accommodate guys. They've always been about the organization, the coach, the GM, the Celtics brand, Celtics culture, that kind of stuff. They've been about the players, too, though. I mean, I I think a a lot of times. I mean, I know Danny Ainge isn't scared to trade a player, but don't forget, like, the long, long history of, you know, absolutely elite players that have come through this organization, not just – the 70 or you know 50 60 70 80s 90s but the last 10 15 years you know there's been a lot of players that have come through here that have made the franchise or continue that legacy on um so i think the players do matter what let me ask you bobby what would happen to danny Ainge if word trickled out that he was told that uh by the players that they wanted brad to go he said no and now the players want to go what do you think would happen to danny Ainge? do you think wick would keep danny Ainge and uh brad stevens i got and trade and trade away uh, Tatum and or Brown. That's the key heard- question. Where does Wick stand on all this? The only thing we've heard from him this year is that Ainge is safe, Stevens is it's safe, no matter team. what. It's not even Jimmy, close to him. Is Brad Stevens selling a? Safe- I wish I brought this is- up earlier. Is- did you hear the interview that he had on 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 CNN? Did you watch the local? I mean the the national. Who? There were Wick when he was talking about Tommy. He was great, and then they started asking him about the team, and I was like, Wick, I I. You don't even sound believable, remotely believable. You know how do you feel about this? Oh, you know, they're, at, they're asking about the two game, the two games against the Miami Heat. And he's like, guys, with this team, I I feel good about this roster. I feel confident. I'm like, what? Well, you don't believe? I didn't that. see and that. Like, I didn't on, see man. that. That's like, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and every time they would go back to another topic, and then oh oh, he would tell a Tommy story, and they would go back to the team. He just felt uncomfortable, and I, I feel like he's sort of he's confused as well like he's not quite sure what the next step for the, that, that he can make to make this team better i mean it's not like that's a scary thing the answer isn't right easy now but you know how wick is you know the way we've seen this team this the the, the wheels are turning you know he's got to at least start thinking about potential steps whether it's uh getting new talent or whether it's replacing uh, the guy the key guys that he has in their positions they, they can Ames, make brad stevens one of those guys, like that conversation is going to continue. That narrative will continue until the offseason for sure. They can make mild changes this offseason, but nothing significant that it's going to overrule what everybody in place here has to change about themselves, top to bottom. Brad, Ainge, Tatum, Brown, all these guys, smart. And the fact that they haven't even shown glimpses of figuring that out this year has been very concerning because they're going to have to do it next year. And what's the hope next year if things don't go right? There really isn't any. So, that's why Wick is nervous. <laughs> right, and we also don't know what, how much Wick has had a hand in everything that's gone on over the last year. We always talk about Ainge, 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 but Wick has final say in a lot of things that goes on, and, and he may be pulling some of the strings. Historically, I don't think that's been the case. I think he gives Ainge pretty much free reign to do what he thinks is best, but we just don't know. We don't know if the tax has been an issue or, or, or if it's going to become an issue 
Um, <laughs> Is that what he was nervous about the tax bill coming in? <laughs> well, could be. I mean, listen, I mean, it would be pretty hypocritical for Whip to criticize the team if he's had a hand in, you know, constructing it, right? So I don't he's know if moved. that had anything to do with right. what, what his comments are. I didn't hear his comments. I, first, I'm hearing it through Joe Sway. So I'll try to look those up later and try to um, interpret them on my own. But uh, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Like like Bobby said, you know, it's going to be a huge offseason for all these guys. But I think if it comes down to player or coach, Brad Stevens isn't selling one single ticket. And that's not a knock on Brad Stevens. That's every coach in the NBA. It's a player's league. Right. They make the money. Uh, that's what this has always been about. And if and I'm not saying it's going to come down to it, but if it ever did, the Indians ever got a knock on the door from Jason Tatum saying, hey, it's just not working with the coach we have. We want a new one. I, I'm not saying Danny Ainge would be thrilled about it. I'm sure he would be, you know, really torn. But at the end of the day, he's going to do what's best for the team. And if it comes down to Brad Stevens or Jason Tatum, I think everybody in the world knows uh, which side it's going to end up falling on. So I hope it doesn't come to that. But if it did, I, I know that answer. Plus, Bobby, would you would you fault Danny for doing something like that? I mean, it's not like Tatum. We're using Tatum as an example, but I don't know Tatum Brown, whichever. Obviously, you know, key guys like that, the the core guys. It's not like they've had Brad Stevens for a year or two, right? I mean, if you're Danny Ainge, you have to seriously consider that because you're like, well, wait a minute, he's got a strong point. These guys have had plenty of years together, and they've made deep playoff runs. If he's not feeling it, I mean, what's how can I spice this up anymore? I mean, it's reached the point of no return if you're Danny Ainge. You have to seriously consider it. No, that's kind of the easiest move to make, so I wouldn't fault him at all. And it's one that could immediately pay dividends. But you got to know the next guy. You really do. And hopefully he's at least been thinking about that, drawing up ideas. But I'd, I just don't get the sense that he has. You know, he's had full support of him all year. There hasn't even been hints of there being questions about Steven's job. In fact... When they were the biggest questions rising, he jumped on the radio and said, oh, he signed six years, so there's that. And that was basically his attempt to shut that down for years, never mind the months ahead. So he's not going yeah. anywhere. Well, no one expected a college to offer him 70 mil, so he had to shut that down real quick. <laughs> he had to get something out there to let people know that he, he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We do uh, last yeah, thoughts say, and then get out of here or what? I, I, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Thoughts. I'm a little nervous with Nick Nick holding it down over there in the locker room. So yeah, I think we are. I think we all are. But you know what? Tuesday, big matchup. Hopefully, we see Jalen Brown. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking we see him. I'm going to go out on a limb and guarantee it. How about that? Guarantee. I'm not guaranteeing a win, but I'll guarantee Jalen Brown will be in uniform. Really? Tuesday. Okay. Bobby, Make sure it's him. I know. I'm going to be there too. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, me saying that is uh, good luck. I feel better about a win on Tuesday for sure, especially if Brown is back in there. But at this point, two games back, Minnesota after that, New York after that. I'm in playing mode at this point. I think that's where they're headed. I don't think there's a great path now to avoid it. So get ready for the Hornets. The Celtics have one game in the loss column on the Hornets too. So at this point, you're not only worried about avoiding the plan, you're worried about avoiding a plan on the road in Charlotte. So that's what you have to really take care of business for over this final stretch here because the Hornets are going to be pushing to try to – now the Celtics have the tiebreaker over the Hornets. That gives them a two-game edge. But you still have to fight like hell to avoid going to Charlotte because if it's in Charlotte and Hayward's back and Melo's back and Roger's rolling, who knows what could happen. And then if you lose that, you got to run up against Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal and do that whole thing again. So it is not going to be easy whatever path this team takes. Playing, not, Nets, Bucks, 76ers at this point. It's just can the Celtics figure it out. Doesn't seem to be enough time left, but if Brown comes back, that's going to be a big, big difference. Yeah, my final thought is 
uh, I want to say like just a just a tough look for the Celtics today. This is a this is a, a Sunday Mother's Day day game national TV. You had people from all over the world able to watch the game today because of the time of it, a one o'clock game. So you've got Europe tuning in, and and I, I got some tweets. I got some tweets from from people who were you know who are fans of the show and watching from other parts of the country. And I had one one um, one person who I want to give a shout out to uh, his mom. His mom uh, tweeted me and said uh, her son Dylan is a big fan of the Celtics and was disappointed in the performance today, um, but he's still going to keep cheering him on because that's what good fans do. So I want to say that's a great message for Dylan. He's turning 10 this week, so happy birthday to Dylan. Thanks for watching the show. And hopefully happy the birthday, Celtics, Dylan. Yeah, Appreciate happy the support. Birthday. And hopefully the Celtics can, uh, can give you a good birthday present this week. Maybe they can pull off a win. That would be nice. Um, and I want to say also just happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Absolutely. Mother's Day for sure. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, Celtics fans, non-Celtics fans, all the mothers out there enjoying their day, man. They got a beautiful day. So, you know, we still, we still got some time to enjoy the evening. Still got some time to salvage over. it. I know. Yeah. I know. I got to head over. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bounce out of the garden room. and go spend some time for sure. Yeah, I'm going to bring the locker room with me, you know, or I should be on the road as I'm uh, tuning in slash chiming in when I can. So I'll try to keep it down with the background noise. But guys, Same that's, here, that's Jimmy. That's where you we're headed, guys. That's where the party continues. Head over oh, to the locker God. room. It's going to be a Jimmy, Jimmy and Nick party. Bobby, Nick's already in there. A. Sherrod, I'll be in there. I'm heading over, guys. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. No, see you guys this upcoming Tuesday, not next Tuesday. Next game is this Tuesday. See and, of you course, know to follow us on all <laughs> social media platforms, at CLNS Media, for plenty of updates. And, uh, guys, that's it. We're up out of here. We'll see you guys then. Peace. Next, uh, next time. We'll see. So let's get a win, hopefully.